0: This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble & Hunter Sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for over 20 years. Near the harbor in Camden, gambleandhunter.net. It's a minute past 10 o'clock. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill. Stay tuned for Boat Talk.
1: Good morning, good morning. It's uh, the second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock in the morning. Time for boat talk here on Community Radio WERU FM Blue Hill. Boat talk is a call-in uh, call-in show on this community radio station that's uh, anchored by the old rusty anchors Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. It's a uh, show that will have uh, cover many bases. It has a uh, actually. Many different faces to the to the boating world. You could imagine a, a face that has a, a blue nose, cheek blocks, maybe uh, some whisker poles, and, of course, hurricane eyes. We are into the hurricane season now. That was a series of puns. I was just reading about the schooner blue nose this morning, as a matter of fact.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Gray, who was uh, just uh, sitting in with Freddie there, front porch folk, he gave me a great book about the uh, Gloucester schooners. Yeah. Yeah, and I just sailed into, in and out of Gloucester uh, two weeks ago, too, on a delivery down to Rhode Island, which is,
1: uh, you know, it's all connected. So the Blue Nose was a Gloucester schooner? No,
0: the Blue Nose was a Nova Scotia schooner. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, the Gloucestermen um, and the Nova Scotians, of course, fished the same banks. Right. And uh, a lot of the American fishermen were Nova Scotians, Canadians, who had come south for better wages and, and a little easier living, you know. Mm. And the thing was that we could fish in their waters. And we basically, for a long time, took all their fish. Ah. And they got a little bit of a complex about it. And uh, so they came up with this uh, um, uh, Halifax Cup, uh, Chronicle Herald, Halifax, uh, Chronicle Herald Cup, which was a fisherman's race, and the boats had to be fishermen. Had to be working fishermen. Had to be working fishermen. They had to be a a a maximum of 112 feet on the waterline and 142 overall. And uh, the fastest schooners come out of Gloucester. And... uh, Gloucester had um, better boat building, too. Uh, down in the Maritimes, they suffer from a lack of proper materials. Right, for yeah, most everything
1: is spruce down there.
0: Yeah, they build out of spruce and birch and, and uh, stuff like that. <laughs> so, um, And a lot of the American boat building, you also have to understand, was not done with local materials. A lot of these boats that were built on the bank in Walderboro and stuff, they weren't built with Maine wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some Maine wood in there, but a lot of the wood came from uh, the south. They would send crews in the wintertime down to Virginia and cut live oak. And they would take patterns right into the woods with them, and leave as much of the tree in in the woods as they could. And by the time those guys got back to Waldeboro, let's just say where they built uh, lots of uh, very large boats on on very tidal creeks there, you know, in Waldeboro, and uh, they could put a boat together outside in in uh, a year or two, a big boat,
1: yeah. With all the with hand tools. pre-made frames, yeah, with hand tools, okay. And <laughs> yeah.
0: how did they do that? Well, year-round, because a lot of that was pre-done. Mm-hmm. It was already done in the woods. But the point being, the uh, Nova Scotians, their boat building was uh, a little poorer than ours. But they got up this uh, special schooner called the Blue Nose, and it was a ringer, and uh, you know it was fast, and uh, it consistently beat the Gloucester schooners, and. Some people say it was bad luck, um, that there was jinx on the thing, that uh, Captain Ben Pine, the Nova Scotia skipper, was uh, a little bit ruthless. Um, uh, Angus Walters, Ben Pine was the American fellow, but anyway, uh, so anyway, pretty interesting, and uh, I, I wish I could call up the name of the book here, but I uh, yeah, just reading about Schooner Blue Nose this morning. My dad got to sail up from Halifax to Boston one time. On the real Blue Nose, yeah. it's part the of a TV, as part of a TV special, and um, uh, man, I so wanted to go on that. And <laughs> he's not—he's uh, not into that sort of thing. It was so anyway. Mm. Blue Nose, hey, what are we doing this
1: morning, Alan? We are going to be discussing uh, a lot of stuff that's going on in the area because it is boating season now in this area, and uh, we're going to be taking calls, and we're also going to be asking people to support this community radio station. We're in our fundraiser week right now. And if you happen to be one of the people who say that they listen primarily to boat talk on this station, well this is your chance to uh, keep boat talk afloat. We do have people that uh, that have
0: come to boat talk and and uh, hopefully have found other things at WERU while they've been here because it is. As we like to say about boat talk, an embarrassment of riches, <laughs> you know? And um, so you can give us a call this morning uh, on the air, 1-866-625-9378. And we also have somebody out in the kitchen to answer
1: the phone. To answer the phone, if you'd like to make a pledge, you call 1-800-643-6273. And we have Paul out there ready to answer the phone and take your support to keep this uh Keep the station going. He's got some uh, cherry. Uh, he's got some uh, cherry uh, cake out there. Oh, uh, and coffee cake.
0: Yes. Cherry coffee uh, it's cake. It's um, cranberry. Cranberry coffee cake mm. and some uh, garlic hummus. And you Ooh. best be careful not to mix the two. So yeah. Anyway, okay. Let's get Paul busy. Speaking of fundraisers, Alan, we got one coming up. We do
1: for W E R U. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, the Boat Talk Semi Dinner Cruise. It's going to be the third annual.
0: Let's add a uh, semi legendary, semi dinner cruise in there. I think we, <laughs> yeah. can, we can call it anything we want, of course. We got people, uh, 11 people already signed up. Yeah. yeah it, it, tickets are going quickly. Yeah. And the last two were, were uh, very well attended, full boat both times. We yep. uh, cruise on the Sea Princess out of Northeast Harbor and uh, down the town dock in Northeast Harbor. We do that on a Saturday afternoon late in June. And uh, this year will be Saturday, June 26. We'll go out at 6 o'clock and come back around 9. And uh, we expect a full boat of people. It'd be about sixty odd people on the boat. The boat is um, fairly you know, well,
1: fairly have well to covered. Be, uh, odd to be on the boat? No, no just the commentators. Good <laughs> point.
0: The boat is fairly well covered. The first year we did it, it was a beautiful sunny uh, day, and then last year it was kind of foggy and drizzly, and it turned out even better.
1: Yeah, it was great time on, on last year. Yes.
0: Yeah, the fog uh, can add a little
1: atmosphere. It adds some drama when all of a sudden out of the fog you see this large boat looming in front of you. Yeah, you like? it
0: does. And we just come out of the fog, out of, nor- uh, out of Northeast Harbor into a wall of fog, and, and across us come the brand new Morris 52-day sailor on a uh, port tack, you know, and, mm-hmm. and showing her bottom going right across us there and um, disappeared back off into the fog, and off we go. Now, uh, this is a potluck
1: BYOB. That's right. Um, Is it possible you'll be making salsa? Uh, <laughs> my wife said i got to stop doing that. Although <laughs> I was making Alan, a Alan, you which? got a
0: good <laughs> trick that works, man. I'm just saying, you know. Because I'll probably be making the uh, old... Uh, Your quiche? Yes, it's a uh, feta. Uh, i taking to putting avocados and spinach in it now, but it's kind of a feta quiche uh, through Karen Frangoulis of Morning Maine, That's who I stole
1: that from. So huh. it's good stuff. And the Sea Princess, very smooth boat. Um, well, I wish we, Giffy was here to talk about it. Giffy actually designed the Sea Princess. Yes,
0: he did, and uh, not with us this morning. I was going to try to make sure he was on board this year, and we'll, we'll still see about that, but uh, he, he's not here this morning. So anyway, uh, she goes awful smooth, and she's fairly well covered. She's got a canopy uh, pretty much over her, and um, you can sit out of the weather but still be right there. Mm-hmm. And it's got a huge, big engine box, and what we do is we use the engine box as the banquet table. Yeah, and as people come down to the dock, that thing fills up, and uh, kids are free. Some yep. of our favorite um, uh, people have been kids, and kids under twelve are free. Everybody else, fifteen dollars, which we I believe decided uh, both years was a little bit cheap, but hey, yeah, good yeah. for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, obviously a benefit cheap anyway.
0: Obviously, a benefit to uh, support uh, community radio, W E R U here, and. Uh, we also, at the same time, like to try to give something back to the boat, and we put out a tip cup as well. We'd like to tell you about that. Yeah, um, the boat is generously donated by Bar Harbor Cruises, Captain Andy and, and uh, Captain James. Yep. And um, so anyway, we like to at least uh, uh, cover their fuel if we can, and uh, right, uh, yeah. you know, we try to put out a tip jar for the boat as well. So, and it is a good time.
1: It is a fun time. Yeah, it's you don't really know what exactly we're going to see or where we're going to go, but no matter where we go or what we see, it's great.
0: It doesn't matter, and it's it's kind of a people thing, and and uh, of course the the scenery outside is beautiful and and uh, ever changing. Yeah. You don't have to worry about navigating, but you can drive if you want. Right? Last yeah. year there was a young girl. Yes, uh, Summit. Summit, yeah. yeah. She did most of the driving. She did <laughs> first time she ever drove a boat.
1: Yeah. Now was, I, I'm gonna say she's probably 12, 14 years old. Yeah. And,
0: and again, I wrote about it. It's for
1: her, and it was great for us.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking that uh, possibly we scarred that young lady for life. You know, and <laughs> and if she ends up to be a boat captain, who could be really surprised? You, you know, know what I'm saying? To see
1: if she comes back this year.
0: Yeah. And uh, again, the the uh, uh, threats of returns last year were very, very high. So. Um, Here's the idea. If you think you want to be on the boat, do it now and give us a call here and uh, reserve some tickets because yep. the
1: boat will be full. Right. And you can you reserve your tickets by calling Chris out at the front desk and his phone number is 469-6600. org. Can you go there and buy tickets too, I believe? Uh, no. 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 I, I, I asked about that this morning and no, they're trying to uh, keep it. It uh, gets a little bit hectic when they're having to keep track of uh purchases on the net and purchases over the phone at the same time and they're, it's, uh, they said they'd rather do it all by phone. So.
0: I don't have to keep track of nothing, that sounds good yep. to me. Yep,
1: 469-6600, yep. tell Chris.
0: And the question is, uh, will you be on the boat, sort of like the Merry Pranksters and the electric Kool-Aid acid tests, are you on the bus, you know? <laughs> and uh, just being on the bus was a very, very cool thing. Mm-hmm. So the question is, will you be on the boat and
1: which cool people? Will be on the boat is the only question that, that remains to be answered. So yeah, and which cool foods too? Because actually, it turned out that um, some people come up with some really fine, tasty finger food to uh, put on the uh, the engine box, and uh, turns out that people want each other's recipes. So if you uh, if you're thinking about making something to uh, to bring along to eat. Uh, well advised, if you think it's really good, to make some uh, copies of your recipe, too, because it's sort of like a, a culinary exchange on the water there, too. Good tip. June
0: 26th, Saturday afternoon, 6 to 9, down in Northeast Harbor at the town dock, the Sea Princess. Like I say, that'll be us cruising around there and either be on the boat or wave
1: sadly to us as we head out of the harbor. Yeah. Right. yeah. I hope we we see the uh, the uh, the osprey nest.
0: Over on Sutton's Island, on there is S- yeah. a architecturally sculptural osprey nest that's been there for 90 years or some yeah, such. 90 some odd years. It's about 90 stories tall at the yeah. present time, and it is quite a sight. We always head up some sound, <laughs> and we'll go into Valley Cove, which is uh, just quite spectacular. The mountain just mm-hmm. literally plunges straight down into the water. Water is about 100 feet deep, a couple of feet off of the shore. And, uh, you know, it is, um, like I said, just some of the prime... Cruising ground in the United States of America, and it's our backyard. It's our place. It's our playground, and and uh, we're the boys that build the boat. We're the boys at Salem. We know the waters, and and uh, as I
1: said in the little blurb on the website, we'll tell you some stories, and some of them might be true. All right, sounds great. Uh, we have a caller to to boat talks. Person already called in by calling one eight six six. Six two five nine three seven eight. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
2: Good morning, Mike and Alan. It's Graham down here, Lowell's boat shop. Oh, well, Graham, how are Graham, you?
1: Graham, been wondering about it's you, good. man. How's it going?
2: Good. I keep uh, I keep missing you guys. You should do a, an email blast to remind everyone that you're on.
0: Not a bad idea. We've been urged to mm-hmm. get a Facebook uh, uh, position on the Boat Talk Radio program here, and having just been fooled into a Facebook uh, page of my own, <laughs> I uh, can't. But agree with Betty White, the lady who, uh, comedian who hosted Saturday Night Live a little while ago. I didn't know nothing about this Facebook till recently, and now that I get it, she says, I believe it's a total waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, no, I don't want to put down the Facebook thing, but that is, that is a good idea, Graham, because it does come around once a month, and it's, I wake up some Tuesday mornings in a panic going, oh my God, today? <laughs> yeah. What's happening down to Lowell's Boat Shop? What are you doing this summer?
2: Uh, I'm building boats. We're getting orders like crazy, which is kind of nice. Not gonna have time to go sailing I just watched my summer evaporate in the last month
0: That's not uh, gonna have time to go sailing we talked to um oh uh, captain Smith um, of the ocean classroom Institute. foundation yeah,
2: yeah I, I I listened to that one for sure
0: yeah and uh, well the fact is that you are one of the uh, captains uh, of of that organization so you're saying you've got no time for sea time this summer
2: no I I'm sort of part-time over there, you know, catch-as-catch-can, and mostly uh, I'm here at the boat shop, and when I can get away from here, I'd like to go there and sail. And yeah. I've done that the last couple summers, but this summer it looks like it's not going to be the case, unfortunately.
0: Man, I'll tell you, Graham, I, I have, um, you know, I'm, I'm self-employed. I build and fix things, and, and I do boat deliveries, you know. And boat deliveries just come up, and one of the things about being in the delivery business, you say Yes. Okay, can you, yes I can, when are we leaving where, okay, that's that's it right there, when and where, so always ready to go, and that was a hard space for me to carve out, and people for a long time got very upset when I would say, whoops, I'm leaving, you know, got to sail away, and I've carved out that space, which is uh, now people... Kind of joke about it if they if uh, they can't get a hold of me, they say, "Well, you must have sailed away." They kind of expect <laughs> you me to. You
2: got to engineer your life that way, that people aren't taken aback when you say, "You know, I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow morning." Yeah, that sort of thing. Have a bag packed all the time in the closet.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a bad joke. Mom doesn't expect me to, uh, you know, overdress for events either. And why why ruin some of those expectations? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so carefully carved out. Precisely. So anyway, and um, yeah, it's a it's a tricky thing to get the sea time. Um, it, re- it really and truly is. So Well, it's uh, even
2: more tricky, you know, if you've got to keep up your license and, you know, you've got to get 360 days within five years and all that sort of business. and It just gets harder and harder if you can't sneak away to get a good chunk of time. Hmm.
0: Graham, I'm looking at getting a license this year for the first time. I've never needed one, you know. Well, uh, good luck to you. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm kind of thinking that the business model will profit from uh, having the license. I, I can. Uh, there's been some work that I haven't been able to do because... I don't have a license, and the insurance company won't smile at that, you know? No. Um, but here's my point. I have uh, been looking into this, and I believe that the uh, requirements for getting a license and also specifically for documenting that C-time, you've got to document one year of C-time in five years, is becoming much more difficult now. You, that that way, you think, too?
2: Yeah, well, the other thing is you can't go talk to someone. Like, you used to be able to go to Boston with all your paperwork, Sit down with uh, an evaluator and talk to them about your C time. You know they not only look at your C time, but get a look at you and you know maybe understand that you are competent and tell you what you were able to you know get for a license. Basically, now you have to put together a packet and send it off to West Virginia to some you know clearinghouse faceless place, and uh, they come back with a letter and say you know you can do this, you can do that, you can you know on and so forth so it's it's gotten more difficult in that sense and I can tell you that they really don't smile upon you know having three or four days here three or four days there you've got you know 120 sea time letters that make up 360 days
0: which is pretty much my situation thank you (laughs)
3: Um,
2: but yeah it's it's getting you know more and more tricky and now with the homeland security if you've got uh, a certain license You know, now you're potentially going internationally, and you need uh, TWIC cards and all sorts of
0: things. You must have one of those Twix cards. I do. It's a uh, Transportation Security Administration identity card that takes special identity to obtain. Now, on the last trip we did, Captain Andy uh, flashed his Twix card at the... uh, uh, just recently at the Baltimore airport, and was asked for a driver's license yeah, to back it they up. They didn't know what
2: it was. They didn't know
0: what. <laughs> that's exactly what it was, Grant. Transportation. They, the yeah. TSA did not recognize their own card. Right. Yeah, and you have to go to Boston and be fingerprinted and be uh, in a cup and all kinds of stuff to get that
2: good card. Yeah. So, yeah. I do that just to shove it in their face.
0: Great, <laughs> man. Who's buying all these boats you're building? And, and do we build uh, more than one model of Dory there?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, right now, I'm building a little. 14 foot sailing dory, which is heading off to Southern California, and uh, some guy in Alaska who wants to sail the Inside Passage. He might actually be a good guy to talk to huh. for your show. Um,
1: and a small dory.
2: And an 18 foot dory. Yeah. yeah
1: so uh, Do your sailing dories have them. have a centerboard box?
2: They do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Otherwise, they would just slide sideways. Right.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: those are dagger boards, <laughs> but yeah. Another uh, 16-foot little sailboat, which is going to Texas. Um, a fun one, I, I landed a, an 11 foot peat color design Sampan to go to Hong Kong. I think it's the first uh, American export to Hong Kong in ages.
0: Sam pa- you said Sampan. Yeah. yeah. Now, let's, let's back up here. We uh, like to point out that Lowell's Boat Shop down in Amesbury, Massachusetts, where you are this morning, was, uh, what, 1792?
2: 1793.
0: I always, oh, get wrong, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> always get that wrong, man. Um, always get that wrong. Just guessing. In all that time, they'd not built a lot of
2: sampans. Uh, I don't think so. No. No. But it's a uh, you know it's flat bottom, dory skiff construction boat. At least the color design. So it's not too much of a deviation from what we normally do. Yeah.
0: Who's down there putting these things together besides you, Graham? <clears throat>
2: uh, nobody. Just me. Just you. Which is why my summer just went away.
0: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Well, but you will have your head down, and it will pass fast. And uh, Can you see the water out the out the door or anything? I'm
2: standing over it as we speak.
0: That's excellent. If, if I you've work. not
2: been down here, you really should come. We're a, a museum as well. So
0: um, I keep meaning to uh, find a time to stop by on one of these trips, but uh, uh, the last one I even mentioned it, we were going by on the weekend, though. So one of these days, man, we're going to walk in.
2: <laughs> you bet. Yeah. I don't even know what you guys look like.
0: Well, i tell you what, though, I uh, the reason I brought that up, I, I built boats in a cow pasture for a couple of years one time and was so busy building boats, I never even saw the water for a couple of summers, you know, mm. and that's just wrong. A cow pasture? A cow pasture, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's just wrong. It takes away the um, ambience of the thing, you know.
1: It sure does. Uh, I believe yeah. that's very important. They grass up real quick,
0: don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, like I say, not too much sea time with the Ocean Classroom Institute this uh, summer, and uh, business is good at the Lowell's Boat Shop.
2: It is. Yeah. I called. I heard you talk about Blue Nose this morning. I had a little anecdote. I was just down in Gloucester putting some new planks in Adventure, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with.
0: Just just went by her two weeks ago. We had to go into Gloucester for fuel a couple weeks ago on a Morris Day Sailor. Nice. Yeah, and so uh, Fact, we uh, remarked upon the boat builders there. There was a fellow who was uh, um, impressively hairy. He looked like a uh, um, well. He had the whiskers going. He had, he just looked like a you know. He looked like you ought to be hanging planks on
2: an old schooner. Yep, I know that guy. <laughs> He's an old fisherman, old fisherman volunteer guy.
0: Yep, like I say, calls something right to mind, doesn't it? Yep. What is happening with Adventure there? She was on the ways uh, in the Inner Harbor. Um, getting work on her what's what's adventure doing nowadays
2: uh she's still trying to raise money to go sailing she needs a new rig um and as far as i know they just got you know another shot in the arm to, to do that and she's totally gutted inside and as you know a big wooden boat like that you got to put bulkheads in if you're going to take passengers so they're in the process of Ooh. figuring that out <clears throat> and uh trying to get certified which is no small task
0: Boy, they got a lot of work to do then, don't they?
2: The Uh, hull's all essentially new, you know, as far as uh, woodwork is concerned. The hull, the deck, and everything has all been redone.
1: So why did you have to replace planks?
2: Well, when they put the covering board on back, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, they never put the wedges around the stanchions.
0: Explain a covering board for people?
2: Uh, So the the frames go up to the the shear line, the top of the planking, essentially. And at the edge of the deck, on deck, there's a big, thick, wide board which covers the tops of the frames. And through that board come stanchions which hold up the, the bulwarks, essentially the fence around the boat.
0: And through those stanchions can go water.
2: Fresh water. And yeah. so it, it ran right down the backside of the planking and essentially rotted the, the uh, hard pine planking out from the inside. Hmm. It was, um, you know, It was old, mill building, reclaimed hard pine some of it better than
1: others. Was it bronze fastened?
2: No, she's uh, trunnel and galvanized
1: spikes. Oh, so the fresh water's pretty hard in those galvanized spikes then, too.
2: They were actually all fine. They, really? they survived. We actually reused as many as we could.
1: Huh? And they used to go. put those together with
0: trunnels, which is a big wood dowel, essentially. Yep. And the idea that those wooden dowels would never rot. And they don't. And they don't. And when you uh, drive them in, they swell up and they're marvelously tight as well
2: yeah shipwreck on the beach, and you know the the part that looks the best is usually the trunnels
0: right yep <laughs> oh, good to hear from you, gran yeah.
2: so anyway, you I was down there doing that with uh Doug Parsons, and he told me a story about the races with with blue nose and i I forget who the challenger was, maybe it was uh Henry Ford or one of those boats, and they used to haul the boats out the day before the race and scrape the bottom, get them all prepped up and uh I guess the guys at the yard one year nailed on two-by-fours, you know, going top to bottom on the bottom of Blue Nose, trying to slow her down, <laughs> and uh, greased up the Henry Ford, or whichever, whichever the challenger was, on the bottom, and I guess even with that, she couldn't be beat.
0: Whoa! Oh. I was uh, reading about it uh, this morning in, in a book, uh, like, say, a friend gave me about the Gloucester Schooners, and... Um, Blue Nose only really lost one race, and it wasn't—it didn't lose the series, just lost one, one match in a race. Mm-hmm. And uh, they thought they had a good excuse. The um, uh, Nova Scotia captain did not like to come down to Gloucester to sail. He wanted them all off of Halifax, and at one point he says, unless you're coming to Halifax, I'm not sailing you. But he was forced to come back to Gloucester. This was in the Depression, mind you. Yeah. And um, coming into Gloucester Harbor... They bumped three times on a rock in the mouth of the harbor. Okay? And and bumped the bottom of the blue nose, okay? Put a little put a little bump in the bottom. And it was claimed that a Gloucester native was driving the boat at the time. Okay? A Gloucester man was driving the Nova Scotia boat and drove it into a rock on purpose was yeah. the Nova Scotian yeah. story. okay that's that
2: rock is. Yeah, he made it was, off the boat alive?
0: Well, there was a lot of contention around those races. There a lot of bragging rights, you know, and, and then, of course, the uh, sail pinched out in the 20s and 30s anyway. And uh, somebody made a... It uh, was another interesting point there. Um, they used to have these uh, harbor steam tugs, and they made a good business towing people in and out, especially Gloucester Harbor. It's very long and narrow, you know. And uh, so anyway... Uh, then they started putting engines in the boat themselves and, and put the tugs out of business, and then they started uh, having these engines in the fishing boats and decided they could fish different. And that's when they started dragging. Yeah. And that's when everything kind of changed, you know.
2: New ways on Bancaro.
0: Yeah. And until then, uh, it wasn't really possible to drag for fish under sail. Um, you didn't have that horsepower available all the time. But once those engines came along, the fishery changed, and as we know, it's kind of been in decline. Um, Possibly ever since, you know. It was good to begin with, but they kind of cleaned out the barrel, didn't they? Well, like I say, the faster we can catch them and cut them down, we will, because we can, and, and that's that. Graham, how can anybody get a hold of you down to the Lowell's Boat Shop
1: there, including us?
2: Uh, well, it's all on the website. I guess that's the easiest thing to do.
1: Yeah, That's just lowell'sboatshop.com. All yeah. right. You're right there next to the Constitution, is that right?
2: No, no, no. We're, uh, we're up here in Amesbury. We had a, oh, a right. satellite yep, uh, said classroom before. down there. Next to the Constitution, but we're uh, conveniently located off of 95 and 495.
1: In Amesbury. In
2: Amesbury, yeah, okay. basically right o- right after you go over the border from New Hampshire into yep. Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, well, like I say, not too far from the interstate either. Nope. Nope. Anytime, man. Good to hear from you, and I like I say, one of these days is going to walk in your door.
2: Get better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you pretty All much right. count on it. Good talking to you guys. All yeah, right. See you, Graham. Graham. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight 625 9378 is the way you can get on the boat talk if you got anything you'd like to talk about. Phones ring it again. We're we, glad uh, to hear we it. Want to give the pledge line too because uh, we
0: got a fellow out there to answer. And uh, we have we have a a, a little a incentive. Ins-
1: this incentive too. Yeah,
0: the the pledge line one 643 6273 if
1: you could see support in such an enterprise as yeah.
0: we're doing here this morning.
1: If you were listening uh, earlier this morning um Puffin Pete called up and made a contribution to the station. Puffin Pete, I guess, is uh, part of the uh, Audubon Society in their bird, seabird restoration project.
0: Excellent, because I was wondering what he was puffing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. On the station. No, Thank God it's birds. <laughs> birds. Um, so anyway, he has written a, a children's book on uh, puffin restoration. The... Uh, the book is called Project Puffin. It's a paperback for uh, kids uh, grades three and up. And we're going to be giving one, o- one away to uh, anybody who calls up during this show. Put their name into a cap. and
0: 1-800-643-6273 is the phone number there. We're going to talk a little bit about the oil spill this morning. And I uh, tried to line up a couple people to talk to. But uh, one of them is out in the Pacific looking for Amelia Earhart. And she's notoriously hard to find. Yep. So you not know, available this morning. And... Uh, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, here's another interesting thing. The Navy has okayed women on subs, and they're also going to ban cigarette smoking on subs. You can smoke cigarettes on American submarines. Did you know that?
1: No, I didn't know that. No. I know you could have a a, a mustache and a beard on your submarine, but you can't have it in any other nope, branch. No, only Navy.
0: only a branch of the service, basically, where you can smoke at work nowadays. Yeah. And, um that's because they're underwater, and they're kind of hard-pressed for entertainment and relaxation and stuff. So they tell uh, stories, they grab ass, and then they smoke cigarettes. And apparently the smoking rate on American subs is, uh, um, you know, 40, 40% or so, which is very, oh. very high. Yeah. And at the same time, they're proposing to take the cigarettes away from the boys. They're, they're proposing to let the girls in. And, of course... Um, It can't be well-received. Change is is a scary thing, and the submarine service is very insular and very, very uh, clannish, very, very boys' club. They are educating women right now at the Naval Academy, and they're going to bring in groups of officers first. They're going to put them on nuclear boomers, as they call them, the big, big ones, um, where there's more room on on the physical sub. And uh, they're worried that, you know, people are going to want to run away because... uh, They're changing things too quick. And they've had females aboard surface warships since 1993. That's been mostly a good thing. The Secretary of the Navy points out here they cannot run the Navy without women at the present time. And at the same time, they're fixing to allow gays to serve openly as well. I mean, go figure. The whole thing could hang together, but, you know. So women in submarines and uh, no more cigarettes either, which is, again, uh, you know kind of interesting that uh, the uh, submarines are still allowed to smoke like that, but again, it's a very specialized I'm surprised they are,
1: because that must be quite a strain on the air filtering system and all that. They point
0: out that the air filtering system does not do a hundred percent job, and of course, uh, running a radio station here, we know that, that smoke is terrible on electronic equipment, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, well, you know, that's their job to maintain it full time anyway.
1: So you can get Addicted to nicotine, even though you're not smoking on one of those, just because of the the amount of it's in the yeah. air there.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm thinking lots of gum and patches myself. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight's the phone number here this morning. We're doing boat talk. We're kind of in here naked without a. Uh, oh, Giffy's not even here this morning, and one of our uh, fallback um, ideas, uh, you know, is that we've we've uh, chatted with Giffy over the years, but we we really need to interview Giffy.
1: He's well. got some stories to tell. Only yeah. a couple,
0: only a couple. <laughs> Giffey is in his mid-80s and is probably the world's uh, most experienced uh, marine surveyor, if not uh, the most experienced, certainly one of the world's best, and uh, has been around, you know. Uh, Captain G.W. Full Associates out of Marblehead, Massachusetts, continue to do business. Giffey is, uh, you know, semi-semi-retired, and uh, he is a, a bit of a character and, like I say, a, a bit of a treasure, um just for instance, Jacques Cousteau wouldn't have a boat without having Giffy look at it, yep. just for instance, you know. So anyway, um, but we can also, um, like say, the, uh, the oil well thing is just, I mean, it's, it's hard to turn your head away from it, man. Fifty days now, that's been spewing out. Mm-hmm. When it first started, they said there was 42,000 barrels a day coming out, maybe.
1: Depends on who you talk to. but Yeah, it was ranging between 19 and 40,000 gallons per day. Now they say it's closer to 100. Uh, No, more like a million is what
0: they're talking about now. They have been consistently underrepresented all along. And, um, you know, the um, Exxon Valdez let off 11 million gallons in Prince William Sound up there in Alaska. They had a um, reporter who went up there just recently to uh, go back to a beach he reported on. Uh, back when that oil spill was gone
1: he dug down
0: yeah, he, he goes to the little cove there He says this looks beautiful today, okay um, When I was here before it was covered in and uh, you know thick thick oil there were dead birds There was dead fish it stunk to high heaven, and it's pristine and beautiful today But he took a shovel and he turned over the gravel on the beach and right underneath was oil mm-hmm. You know and there's no critters in the oil and it is pristine. It's beautiful but it's kind of antiseptic as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the life is not there like it used to be. And uh, I forget the name of the concept, but it's, um, it's a sliding base scale, okay? It's the boiling frog paradigm. You know, you boil the frog slowly. He doesn't know he's boiling until it's too late. And our sliding base scale is we get used to, okay, um, you know, this is the new normal. The scent's so bad. Look, it's beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's not right. You know, no, certainly not right. Yeah. So the Exxon Valdez was 11 million barrels. There was a spill in the Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, not a spill. An, uh, an oil well blew up there in 1979. Okay, uh, off of uh, Mexico in 160 feet of water, and let off 140 million gallons of oil. Wow.
1: Yeah. That's um, almost three times the Exxon Valdez then.
0: Um. Well, the Alexa uh, was 11 million, 140. It's uh, well, more than 10 times. And this one, uh, we've got like maybe 50 million gallons out so far. Okay, so there have been bigger spills. Now, what happened to that?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, not to make it sound too simple, but oil really is plant material. Yeah, and, and I'm... Eventually um, biodegrade. I'm just trying
0: to put this in a little bit of perspective. None of this is new. Um, every year... They estimate that the Gulf of Mexico seepage, oil coming out of cracks in the, in the seabed floor, hmm. is equivalent to two Exxon Valdezes every year, wow. seepage. okay. The tar balls they find on some beaches in Florida, yep. um, some of that's natural. Mm-hmm. okay. And as much as two Exxon Valdez tankers seeps out of the bottom of the ocean floor every year in the Gulf of Mexico.
1: Yep. So then, if nature, over time, can handle a certain amount of oil... And it can. Oily, yeah, it makes bacteria and they eat it. I can't understand why they're adding dispersants to this stuff to make it less visible only, you know. It's, it's, oh,
0: that's a no-brainer, man. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, you know? but, out of sight, just uh, get it out of sight. That will fix the whole problem. Yeah. Do we have somebody waiting on the yes, phone there? Yes, we do. Let's we have say hello then.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
3: Good morning. This is Captain Yo in Tremont.
1: Good morning, Yo. How are you today?
3: Fine, thank you. And what's, what's happening with Annie McGee? Let's ask about Annie
0: McGee's. Well... Uh, Yo's uh, little uh, pinky schooner.
3: Frankly, I haven't made a lot of progress, although I did cut a couple of hackmatack knees to hold the sheet horse. The old uh, forged ones are getting pretty rusty. But instead, I've been concentrating on building models because uh, people don't want to ride my big schooner anymore, but they seem to be more interested in buying my little ones. Mm. So just in terms of keeping the bills paid, I've been focusing more on the small vessels. They're available to a higher echelon of clientele, let us say. I'm right now finishing up, uh, which ties in with your thing earlier, I'm finishing up a knockabout Gloucester Doryman. She's about uh, 40 inches long. And this one here is a particular experiment in standing up. Most models, particularly scale models, are lacking in stability, and they can't stand up to anything more than a knot or two in very calm water.
0: Yeah, because let's scale up the wind. A knot or two of wind, if we're scaling up ten times, is you know that's ten times as much wind. So exactly
3: right. Model needs to
0: scale down wind.
3: My vessels are built to perform, so they're relatively lower in profile beamier and more heavily ballasted than a scale vessel. This one here is a length to beam ratio of 3.5 to 1, which is a very tubby vessel in the full size. And if 40 inches long, she has approximately 20 pounds of lead in the keel. And she's not going to have a very tall rig, although I'm going to put top mass. And the idea is I want her to be able to stand up to eight to 10 knots of breeze in the afternoon off uh, bass harbor where there's a considerable chop and see if we can't recreate a facsimile of ocean sailing
0: if we launch it off of bass harbor how are we going to get it back
3: oh you follow it in a chase boat okay <laughs> yeah the boys at morris have the zodiac and yeah this one i think is going to be a little too fast for me to keep up with even in the peapod which is a fast rowing boat yeah but that's not why i called
0: all right then why did you call yo
3: I called to make a comment about your remarks concerning the Gulf oil spill. And I'm afraid that you seem to have fallen prey to the same pitfall that the media and people in general have fallen prey to in discussing this strategy, as I like to call it. You've been using the terms barrels and gallons interchangeably. And this is the same this is the same fault that all the dialogue falls prey to. It's very significant because a barrel is 55 gallons. The high estimate for daily flow of the several punctures, which apparently are flowing, is 100,000 barrels a day. That's 5.5 million gallons
0: which is considerably more than a million gallons that I was talking about. I try to stay. Right. With, I try to stay with gallons because I don't really understand barrels, to tell you the truth.
3: So, well, that's the but point. Your point is very valid.
0: Uh, if the you pay
3: attention to the media discussion, you'll see that they flip the two terms back and forth, and it is very obfuscatory.
0: Oh, often in the same chart. I've seen right. it done in the same graphic. And you go, you know, oh, what? I just have a about?
3: note from a friend of mine who's a nuclear physicist. And he says that the obvious solution is to put a collar with a thermite seal. And his remarks about the underwater feed that they're showing the rovers and all the various saws and whatnot that they're deploying down there, he says that it looks like Keystone Cops. That they're just futzing around because they know they're on camera and that it appears that it's a delaying tactic. And that certainly ties in with the use of dispersants and arresting journalists and letting workers go if they dare put on a respirator and that kind of thing. BP's efforts seem to be centered around keeping the public eye away from what's going on in the Gulf. So anyway, I just wanted to mention about the difference in terms there and that we should be careful to realize that It is a lot worse than they want us to know, and that misusing the terms is a way to confuse and divide people.
0: That's an excellent point, man. I I tend to think um, favorably about engineers. I think that they are low-bull people, you know. I I see engineers as uh, ultimately being a fairly practical set of cats, you know. And somebody said something the other day I thought was kind of good, and it's kind of like the hippocratic oath for doctors and what he said was there is no situation so bad that you can't make it worse and that's one thing that they have to avoid doing when they cut that pipe off down there they actually cut the kink off the pipe and opened up more flow and and again had the potential to make it actually worse And you know five thousand feet down i guess you would do things slowly and uh... um, it doesn't have to be done Keystone Coppish, though, because so much work has been done at, at, at those depths. And, and uh, we are, we are uh, able to function at those depths now with, with remotely controlled vehicles. And uh, it's well, amazing is, what those things can do.
3: Any mariner knows you can't wait until disaster strikes yep. to prepare for it. Yep. And that's the, that's the political problem behind this. The company was given special dispensation to go ahead without an adequate response plan, without adequate safeguards and inspections. And, you know, in such circumstances, it can't even really be called an accident. It's almost as if the whole thing, all the steps, were leading directly to this spill, directly to this catastrophe, as if that's what they wanted, as if they planned it to happen this way. because. If if they didn't, they would have put the kind of safeguards that they put in place in undersea drilling in, say, Norway. Yeah. And yet, nope, no, we don't need that here in the Gulf.
0: The head tool pusher on the rig that w- worked for the company TransOcean um, was complaining on a regular basis. His wife was interviewed, his widow now, and um, said that he basically, uh, thank you, said that basically... Um, you know, he was quite worried, and he was protesting to the company and that he had come back a couple weeks previously and and made out his will and, you know, pretty much said goodbye before he left because he didn't like what was going on there, but felt unable to alter. Um, you know, the business pressures got to get it going, got to get it going, got to get it going. So that's the way it goes. Thanks for calling this morning, yo. Yes, thank you so much for point. running
3: the show, guys. Yep. Have a good day.
1: Yeah. We have a, uh, one listener who was already called up and made a pledge by calling 1-800-643-6273. Thanks to John down in Rhinebeck, New York. Excellent. Called up and uh, said thanks to the Boat Talk guys. He's going to go into the can for a drawing for Project Puffin. We
0: brought the can in. There we go. All right, John. Thank you. And the phone is ringing right now. So uh, is somebody waiting? Or? Ooh, we have two. Yeah, well,
1: let's talk to him. Go to him immediately. Good morning. Yeah. Welcome to Boat Talk.
4: Good morning. This is Chris out in Hancock. How are Hi, you today? Good, Chris. Good. Here's what I'd like to say. This is a democracy. That means that you and me and everybody else in this country is responsible for what's happening up down in the Gulf. Because we have not been able to summon enough uh, political will, enough emotion, enough enthusiasm to really make sure things are done safely. And you know, you can't expect business to do things safely because they don't give a crap. Their job is to make money for their shareholders, and they're going to cut corners. And, you know, I mean, you look online this morning, and you find out the guy who's the, the chief honcho at BP sold off a huge amount of his own personal stock about, oh, a week before the accident happened. Now, is not necessarily any kind of a connection there, but, you know, <laughs> their job is to make money for themselves and for their shareholders. So I'm afraid if we're going to slap anybody's wrist, we got to start with our own.
0: Isn't it kind of ironic that uh, some of the people who are calling for uh, the government to get out of business, as soon as it got messed up, were going, where's the government? Where's the government? Why weren't they there?
4: Well, the ironies continue to overwhelm, don't they? Yeah. Thanks for your show. I love having you guys on the air, and I hope a lot of people who haven't already pledged call and pledge.
5: Thank you, Chris. you. Bye bye Yeah.
1: We have another call to go to immediately. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk.
5: Morning. This is Will from Rockport. Hey, Will. Um, hi. Uh, great show. I'm glad you're talking about all these great subjects. I just wanted to put a refinement on Yo's comments, which I appreciated because uh, I was having trouble with that uh, variety of terms interchangeably used. Uh, a petroleum barrel is 40 gallons, not 55 gallon drums that you normally see full of chemicals and so on. That's all I need to say. Thanks. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Will.
0: Thank you, Will. So then, we can take 10% off we'll, of that. We'll, you know. we'll <laughs> handle it. It's still
5: a big disaster.
0: It's still a a big disaster. They're also um, saying that this year is predicted to be an active to extremely active hurricane system in the Gulf. Yes. They are predicting 14 to 23 named storms this year.
5: Well, they said that before. The year after Katrina, which I worked for FEMA after and spent four months in that morass following, uh, they said the next year was going to be a disastrous year, and we haven't had a really bad year since. Well, that's you know, personally speaking, because I'm not living through it in Haiti and other places, but we'll see.
0: Tell me one more thing, Will. It's hot down there, isn't it?
5: It certainly is.
0: Yeah, they, they uh, we see workers going up and down the beaches wearing Tyvek suits.
5: I've been watching that and say, oh, my God, I've worn them enough up here at 80 degrees, painting, and so on.
0: Every boatyard worker knows those Tyvek suits keep the fiberglass off you, and they're hot to work in. They they say they're working people 20 minutes out of an hour down there because of uh, heat frustration and prostration and such.
5: I used to build greenhouses in Florida, and we do that same kind of cycling because you're up in the peaks, and you can only take it for so long. Mm -hmm.
0: Hmm. A hard environment to accomplish anything in. It's almost, uh, you know, and and so different. uh, Is another point I was going to make up in Alaska. It was a different uh, weight of oil, and everything's cold there. And here's a lighter oil, and everything's hot. And it is different, you know. Yep. And not not to mention the uh, circulation currents of the Gulf and stuff. It's kind of a uh, closed body of water in in some ways. uh,
5: Exactly. And the Valdez was in a contained body, which nobody seems to highlight
6: when they compare them.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, you know, the planet demonstrates an ability to absorb some of this stuff, but we're getting used to uh, um, a very diminished planet here. And pretty soon there's not going to be much more stuff to disaster. Got a brand new book here this morning called The World is Blue, How Our Fate and the Oceans Are One. Sylvia Sylvia Earle, National Geographic Explorer in Residence. I thought this was pretty uh, uh, coincidental this morning. I seem to remember her, She her uh, nickname is her deepness, that's what they call her, she is an underwater expert, and oh. it seems to me a couple of years ago, BP used her in commercials to oh. advertise their deep water drilling uh, program, oh. you know, and again, um, her point here would be this, that uh, from the uh, blurb of the book... Um, Earl shows how in less than a century we've done an untold amount of damage to a vital system that has evolved over 3.8 billion years. For a millennia, the sea has seemed like an inexhaustible resource, but today we watch with dismay as overexploitation drives, you know, this, that, and the other thing, even before we get to disasters. Yeah.
5: yeah. Well, I think your comment about in- incremental uh, change uh, breeds... Um, and complacency, I think, was well uh, well said. I think that's uh, pretty much the state of, you know, of the human being throughout time. So I don't know what to say about it.
0: This uh, spill off the Yucatan we were talking about, the oil well that blew up there, uh, you know, how's things going down there? Saudi Arabia, they had the biggest oil uh, spill in, in ever, I guess, off Saudi Arabia. They never told us because they didn't have to, you know. Yep. <laughs> and Not I tell you
5: not to mention all the oil fields in Kuwait that were opened up and left burning for months. Yeah. I, You know, you mentioned digging through the beach and finding oil below or the, your comment, your, your, your guest did. And, uh, there's no bacteria in the beach sand, So that stuff's not going to degrade forever, probably at least until that gets turned up and plucked back into the ocean life stream.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, there's also uh, Dr. Susan Shaw. She's the head of Mary, the Marine Environmental Research uh, uh, Organization here. over here in Blue Hill. She was just down in in the uh, Gulf snorkeling in the oil patch, and mm. she made the point that it is um, impacting. Uh, she she breaks it up into three: the the base of the food fu- food chain, all the little critters, the middle uh, of the food chain, and then the people on top, the tuna, you know, the big the big fish, and. Yep. Uh, you know uh, they all eat each other, and it's all bioaccumulative, and so are these dispersants as well. And mm-hmm. it just can't end well. Although the sun will still shine, the water will still sparkle, and, and you know what I'm saying? It'll yep. look okay.
5: For and, sure. And the planets... it reminds me of the old mercury uh, accumulation stories of 20 years ago.
3: Yeah. Well, Thanks thank a lot, you, guys.
1: We we have another caller, so we'll need to go to that right away. Good morning, and welcome to Boat Talk.
6: Good morning. How are you? Thanks for Good. Who are we speaking to? This is Brad from Bayside. All right, Brad. Brad. And um, unfortunately, I used to work for Halliburton.
0: I was hoping you would have something happy to talk about,
6: Brad. (laughs) I used to cement oil wells for Halliburton. Did you? Dick Cheney was my boss. Huh? Am I on the air right now? Yes. Yes. And um, Halliburton wanted to send me to their... um, the offshore drilling school and the horizontal drilling school, and I declined because I thought it was a nightmare situation. And um, what they were drilling for down there was the mother of all oil wells, and they hit it. And my dad drilled what's called the Southern Illinois Ultra Deep Drill Hole, and it wasn't as deep as the one they drilled under a mile of water. And Unfortunately, my dad drilled the world's most expensive dry hole. <laughs> but BP hit the mother of all oil wells, and it's an incredible amount of oil. An ordinary oil well is like 200 barrels a day, and I disagree. 32 gallons is a barrel of oil, not 40, not 55.
0: It's quite a moving target, apparently.
6: Well, it is. No
0: wonder there's so much confusion.
6: Yeah. But they hit the mother of all oil wells under a mile of water, and they don't know what they're doing. That's the reason I did not have anything to do with their offshore drilling platforms. Mm. And they, they just don't know what they're doing.
0: And One thing they are doing is trying to drill a relief well to take the pressure off of there, and apparently when the pressure is equalized, the oil will stop flowing out. So the question is, how much oil is down there? And apparently nobody will say. BP knows, and the United States government knows, but they're saying that's proprietary information, and, and they cannot tell us.
6: Uh, the pressures involved are so incredible. If they hit that oil well on dry land... the the gusher would have gone 60 miles in the air. It's amazing the pressures involved. And I don't know how they're going to stop it.
0: Mm.
6: Anyway. Nothing good to say
0: after that, is there, Brad?
6: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's, um, mind-boggling how badly it's being handled. And there are 38,000 of those wells in the Gulf, and they have to shut them all down.
0: 38,000.
6: That's the number I heard. Wow. There are 38,000 deep offshore wells in the Gulf of Mexico, and this is only one of them.
0: Brad, let's uh, drop one other, uh, and I don't have the, Yeah, we're running out of time here, I don't have the uh, actual statistic, but... The amount of oil that has come out of that well into the Gulf of Mexico represents, I believe, several hours of use for the United States of America.
6: When I was a kid, I grew up in the oil fields of southern Illinois, and a really good oil well was 200 barrels a day. And we measured the barrels at 32 gallons a barrel. And you were fabulously wealthy if you hit 200 barrels a day. And these guys... um, well, the numbers just boggle the mind that they're they're aiming for, and they're trying to recover the oil. They're not trying to stop the flow. They're trying to you know keep the oil, mm-hmm. and you know we we haven't even sent any skimmers down there yet, and we should send every ship we've got, everything we've got down there trying to stop the thing. And we haven't done anything, so it's you
3: know.
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Everyone
6: got off their asses and went and stopped the leak.
0: Yeah. Um, Sorry. Perhaps it's a little bit like Wall Street, too, you know. It's so hard for us to wrap our minds around what's happening. And so we kind of don't, which is good for business.
6: I'm I'm looking at a beautiful lagoon on the ocean right now, and I can't help but to visualize an oil spill coming up here you know, encoding the eagles that are landing in my lagoon. And it's, you know, it has to be stopped. We haven't done anything. The Navy's not down there, you know. Uh, The news crews are down there. The president for BP's down there doing his photo ops and everything. But they haven't done anything to try to stop it. And we should, you know, be sending everything we've got down there.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Anyway. Well, Brad. Rape. Uh, well, no, uh, like I say, uh, very grateful for you sharing your experience and knowledge there. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah. Good luck, and no, that was not a happy little <laughs> way to end the program here. And yes, we are about out of time. Yeah. The Boat Talk Cruise, we got to plug it one more time. There's a happy idea, June 26th, and it's a fundraiser for this radio station. The boat we say once again will be full, and we would like you to be on it. Give us a call here at. Uh, 469-6600 and get yourself a pair of tickets or uh, uh, some tickets for the Boat Talk
1: Cruise. $15 each, BYOB and potluck. June 26th, tw- leaving Northeast Harbor Town Talk, yep. 6 p.m. And the phone's still ringing and Joel's shaking his head because we're in the corner Yeah, here. We we're just about time to get out of here. Pretty much
0: make. run out of time. And uh, Boat Talk, once again, uh, it's... Kind of fun to come and do, even when we uh, didn't have what we thought we had, and, and uh, time passes so fast, and it's pretty much a, uh, well, the reason Boat Talk works is it's it's a conversation, it's a community effort, it's it's us and you, you know, and, and uh, that is the beauty of it, and this place here, too.
1: Yep. We ask you to support it. I had to quickly tell you about um, a couple of things happening down in Rockland. The Crumb Boating people, our friends at Crumb are going to be starting a sailing, community sailing thing this year, also, besides all the rowing. Uh, opportunities they have through the whole week go to comeboating.org to get more information on that and the apprentice shop right down there in Rockland also this Thursday they're going to have a try their boats day it's a hands-on thing they they make boats there and this Thursday if you'd like to get out in one of those boats and try it out this is the day to do it next right, Thursday right downtown Rockland they're right on the corner of Route
0: 1 there and you can't miss them and they got waterfront too so uh, yeah
1: well well this is it there's I'm, the music they're giving us the big hook. Thanks to uh, Joel down in the engine room for keeping things going. Let's give this uh, book to call uh, oh, yes. that out of
0: the watering can.
1: Yep, thanks to uh, John, John down th- in Rhinebeck. Rhinebeck, New York,
0: going to get that uh, book from Puff and Pete. Yep, excellent. Thank you. I survive
1: the, the boat, and I survive the sail, sir. I survive the, the fish and take some <laughs>
5: Boat Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and...